Hello, everybody, and welcome into a special edition of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined from Columbia, as always, by Dave Matter. And this is going to be a, uh, a coaching search-specific edition. I know people have a lot of questions about the, the search for the next Missouri football coach. We could spend some time talking about hoops. We're going to save that for a, a later episode, and uh, I don't think people will be uh, too bummed out by that as the hoops program tries to figure out what's going on there. But, you know, Missouri needs a football coach, and the, the search is continuing since last Saturday when Barry Odom was fired, and some big games will be played this Saturday with conference championship games and should have some more clarity, I would think, shortly after that, if not before. Dave is on the line. Dave, How's it going? It's never fun to cover these things, but it certainly is uh, is good for business in terms of, of people reading the paper and, and reading the website. Um, just kind of your impressions of of the search to this point. Um, we'll get into kind of you know the end of the Barry Odom era, but I think most people are really focused on what is happening now. Kind of how, how do you phrase the search? How do you how do you frame it entering um, today, which is Thursday? These things are so hard, and and especially you know, now in kind of the digital age when there's so much feedback instantly from fans and readers who want to criticize a process that is, is one, it's going, it's happening in the dark. Like, you know, we're not part of that process. We're just trying to cover what we can of it. And, and two, it's, it's very incomplete. You know, you can't judge one of these searches until it's over um, I mean, think about all the names over the years that have been thrown around in coaching searches of people that were either interviewed or not interviewed for just Missouri jobs alone, and it's just countless names. So at the end of the day, at the end of this process, there's only going to be one name we're going to talk about, and you know, we we don't know who that's going to be. I mean, I think we have a, an idea of of a group of people that he's going to come from, um, but it's just it's just so hard to you know kind of deal with. So much of the anticipation and the noise and the criticism of something that's not yet complete. So, but that's what we're here for. So, hopefully, we can clear some things up. Maybe. Well, let's dive in. I mean, uh, I think the immediately right out of the gate, there were you know a million names flying around. There continue to be a million names flying around. Maybe let's divide this if we can to kind of guys we feel are realistic and guys we feel are maybe you know more of unrealistic, unattainable for for different reasons. Where do you kind of draw that line and who are you looking at as, you know, not guys who are locks to get the job, but guys you think are in the mix here and, and guys that you think maybe have been brought up, but, but are not, but are not really in the mix. Yeah. And I, I don't know how to even rank these. I mean, I do know that the way Missouri is looking at this, they have a list of candidates, but they have these things in tiers. Some coaches that they're looking at are not as high on their list as others. Um, which you can call those maybe backup plans or just coaches maybe they don't have a great feel for yet or they want to learn more about or or, or spend some more time with in an interview. Uh, you know, I think I think Blake Anderson is somebody that is not going to really move the needle instantly with fans. He's Arkansas State's head coach. Um, I think he's very attainable for Missouri. You know, he's never he's had six straight winning seasons at Arkansas State, a Sunbelt program. He's won 75% of his games there. Hasn't had a lot of success in bowls, but, you know, bowls can be – bowl game results can be a little overrated. Those are kind of a crapshoot. Runs a very solid program. He's widely respected. He's an offensive guy. You know, his offenses are – I think three of the last – three of his six offenses have been in the top 20 nationally for yards and points. So, again, not a, not a guy who's going to instantly sell 10,000 season tickets – 
but he checks two of the big boxes that Jim Sturt pointed to, uh, you know, head coaching experience and, and he's an offensive coach. And, um, you know, I, and, and the, the big one is he's a guy that I think Missouri can hire. A lot of these names out there that, that we kind of flo- even floated out as possible candidates um, are, are guys that are some of them are, are people that maybe aren't even really considering Missouri for whatever reason. Um, but I think Anderson is a guy that they can get. I think uh, the the thing with Anderson that I'm, I'm not sure how to equate, and, you know, this is a, a complicated thing because he would be moving on from Arkansas State after – Really, a you know a multi-year. It, it's not even I, I, you almost the the word I was about to say was distraction, but that's not even proper. It's his life was upside down for for years yeah. because his wife had just recently passed away from a long battle, multiple um, you know in, wars against it with breast cancer. And I don't know how how you as a candidate as an AD interviewing candidates how you factor something like that in I mean he's not going to sit there in an interview and make excuses about it um, his football team played pretty well despite this you know massive thing he was dealing with in his personal life and that community did a great job of rallying around him um, I don't know if you if you can completely put it on a shelf and say well those games he's got a kind of a knack of losing a game or two a year that he shouldn't lose um, there are some Arkansas State fans who are not always in love with his game management. Um, and, and he has, I think, times can be a little prickly with criticism about things. In a lot of ways, he's very similar to Odom. Um, he's just at a different school, at a smaller school. And I think that would maybe turn some people off, you know, especially people who didn't want to see Odom go. It's like, why are you hiring a guy who's very similar to Odom who hasn't done this at the head coaching level in the SEC? At least Odom had roots. At least Odom had experience at this level. Why not just give him more time? So I could see that conversation, but if you're Sturk, I don't really know how do you factor something like that in a coach who's had a pretty good record of success at six years at, at Arkansas State, and he hasn't he hasn't had you know he hasn't been able to just coach. He's had this he's had this you know impossible to understand and comprehend personal crisis going on on top of coaching. Yeah, and it's it's so hard for us to sit here and try to use that as a not a factor, but just try to figure out where it, it plays out and things. You know, I, I think you can maybe, without really knowing the specifics of the situation or knowing Blake Anderson personally, you could make a case that maybe he's ready for a clean break from that community and that job and just kind of time to move on with him and his three kids. But we don't know what's what's going on in his mind. I mean, I, I think it's been out there that he's looking at, at multiple options for other jobs. So he clearly, you know, is considering moving on here. And I think that makes sense for anybody who's been at a Sunbelt program for six years and has done pretty well there, you know, that that's the three previous coaches before him in Jonesboro, they were all one and done. They mm-hmm. were out of there after one winning season, Hugh freeze. Um, of course, Gus Malzahn and then Brian Harson at, at Boise state. Right. So he's, he's, he's done, he's done kind of the opposite. He stayed there and kept winning. Um, but you know, it, it sounds like he's ready to move on. You mentioned Brian Harson. I think you and I both agree if Sturt could announce Brian Harson as his head coach, then that would be the closest thing to a home run hire. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't satisfy the people who are clamoring for Lane Kiffin, but with what he has done at, at Boise State, he has and he inherited a winning program there, then made it better. Boise State just won its first season its first Mountain West championship regular season that didn't include um 
that, that didn't include a loss to a conference team. He produces NFL talent. I mean, he checks every box, offensive-minded. Um, he's shown some interest in other jobs lately, Tennessee, Oregon. Um, you know, it's worth wondering if he'd be willing to move on, but some people believe he's he's going to sit tight until he gets a Pac-12 job. Um, I do think Missouri could come close to, like, doubling his salary, which is nothing to, to sniff at, but I'm not – I don't know if he feels like he has to jump, um, and he probably shouldn't feel like he has to jump. Do you think he is – realistic uh, I got to think the Tigers would would love to have him but do you think they could get him to budge yeah that one seems like it's not really gaining a lot of traction it makes a lot of sense on Missouri's end sure. I, I just don't know how much sense it makes on his end like you said he's a he's been on, on the west side of the country most of his career he's a Boise State alum you know he's a Boise State guy through and through so you know you would think a guy like that with that background would be happy in that situation until the perfect situation comes up for him. And I think the the assumption is that's a Pac-12 job, one of the premier Pac-12 jobs, whether that's USC next year after they finally give up on Clay Helton or if something moves uh, at Oregon or, or one of the, uh, or at Washington, um, you know, who knows there, but it just seems like there's not gaining, you know, much, traction there and maybe that's just because they're working really silently here he's been through this process before with with big jobs um but i don't know i i agree with you i mean if you can if you can get brian harson i think you make that deal today um but you know that one is is kind of hasn't really gained a lot of steam lately it seems like the other names and we touched on it a bit lane kiffin mike norvell these are guys are going to be popular in 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 all t- discussions about any open jobs, let's throw in Wheel he- Wheel Healy at Charlotte. You and I have talked about him, up and comer, young, tons of energy. They think he's the the next uh, Dabo Sweeney. He's got this kind of contagious, p- uh, positive vibe that I think has a lot of people really interested. I mentioned all these guys in the same breath because they're all Jimmy Sexton clients. So for folks who don't know who Jimmy Sexton is, he's the Scott Boris of college football. He is. You know, most of the premier college football coaches, he's their agent. Now, there's been this discussion, Dave, about could there be friction between Jim Sterk and Jimmy Sexton because of the way things were handled with Barry Odom, who was another Sexton client, the way things went with Derek Dooley, who was another Sexton guy. Um, do you think that that, if if it does exist, could could affect things with this kind of threesome of, of coaches? And, and do you think any of these names are, are realistic for the Mizzou job? I think Norvell probably would prefer Florida State or Ole Miss. Um, I don't know that Kiffin feels like Mizzou is the jump for him, um, maybe if they would pay him, but but I think he's probably going to see like he has better options, uh, if not now, than then soon Arkansas is very much seems to be all over Kiffin and Healy is uh he's he's a little bit more of an unknown quantity he he really made a made a amazing turnaround at Austin P he's done great in his first year at Charlotte but he's pretty young he's 34 he's got a very young staff and and I don't know that he feels like he has to jump at the first thing that comes either especially if uh you know if if they're going to be limitations on what kind of staff he can have things like that what do you make of the of the Sexton three that could be in discussion for Mizzou maybe throw in a fourth of Jim McElroy good point discuss him but um but of those three I don't think there's nothing on Norvell, Mike Norvell, that is, to Missouri. I think he's holding out for Florida State. Um, if not there, then I think he can sit tight and win another 10-11 games at Memphis and have his pick next year. He's got that thing rolling pretty good there. Um, with Kiffin, you know, I, I, that's the name that I think fans 
uh, have, have brought up to me the most in the last week and like, why not Kiffin? Why not Kiffin? Well, it, it takes two to tango here. Like it's not just, you don't just go out and hire whoever you want. You, that person has to want you. And there's been no indication that, that Lane Kiffin has been serious about the Missouri job. Um, you know, I, I think you wrote in your chat or, 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 uh, on the blog the other day about how, you know, it's kind of well known that Kiffin, uh, wants to stay in a warmer climate, and if not that, somewhere where he's accessible and can get to Los Angeles quickly. Uh, his, I know his kids live out there. Columbia, Missouri's airport's it's getting better, but it's not that great yet, and it's it's pretty cold here uh, a few months of the year. So I just don't know if it's a great fit for him. I don't think he would see this as a destination job. I think that would probably turn off Jim Sterk a little bit, even if they would get face-to-face at any point in this process, and I'm not sure that they have. And I do believe that Sexton, uh, Jim Sterk friction or whatever you want to call it, I think it is real. I don't know if anybody will ever say that on the record. You know, somebody with connections to the agent industry described to me this week that any conversation that Jim Sterk would have with a Sexton client would be very, very interesting based on history. So hmm. we can interpret that as we want. Um, so, yeah, Will Healy, you know, I, I think he's somebody we know that Missouri at least had some interest in at the beginning of this process, which was a whole three days ago. Feels like three years. Um, it does. It really does. And I think there's a lot of upside there. I mean, it's a gamble for sure. Absolutely. He's he's young. He's only done it uh, as a head coach at two places and not under the kind of radar or, the, or the, not under the scrutiny, the pressure that you have at an SEC school. But – he brings a lot of he would bring a lot of excitement wherever he goes, um, and he's I think he's proven it at places where there's no track record for for the kind of success that he had. Um, I think he kind of speaks to whatever this post millennial generation of kids uh, is right now, and he would I think he'd be a pretty dynamic recruiter. But the staff question is is a is a good one. You know I think Missouri would a guy that young and fairly inexperienced I think they would want surrounded by some coaches who have not necessarily been in this league but have done it at a high level. Uh, and I'm not sure. You know, he's not he's not winning any jobs based on X's and O's necessarily. It's more about the charisma, um, the recruiting, you know, the kind of the personality. you got to bring some substance to this job too. Uh, and, again, like you said, I, he's a guy too that I think can, if he really likes the, the base that he is building at Charlotte, he can, he can wait this process out you know, another year or two and, and still be a guy that um, continues to, you know, kind of build up his credentials and, uh, and get a better job once one comes around. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't have a great feel for any of those guys. McElwain's a little different. You know, he has been a head coach in the SEC at Florida, obviously. It ended very, very strangely, very abruptly in, in the middle of 2017. But before that, he won two division titles back-to-back, uh, he's a guy that's probably had more success at the group of five level, first at Colorado State, and then he's done a really good job at Central Michigan this year, going from 1-11 and 11 to the MAC championship game. You know, maybe he's a guy that's just cut out for that level instead of, of a job at Florida where he was under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure. Um, when things go south at a program like that, you get under fire pretty quickly, and he he had a kind of a prickly personality and a, and a response to all of that that didn't sit well with his bosses Missouri's a different kind of job maybe he can do better and and handle all of that a little bit better to place in Columbia Missouri so I don't think that's a the terrible fit 
But again, if, is is that a job he would be interested in? I'm not. I'm not certain. I'm in on Healy. I think that energy would be good for recruiting. I think he's got recruit. Well, I don't think I know he's got recruiting ties in St. Louis, and I think that he would help kind of get the energy level up. When you talk to coaches in St. Louis and ask for their players' perception on Missouri, I'll be honest here: it's that it's old, it's that it's kind of dusty, and that it's you know a bunch of white guys. And and I don't know. I'm not saying that's right, but that's that's the perception. They need something that 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 gets energy into the program. And I think Will Healy, if you've watched what those Charlotte players do in that locker room after they win, if you just have watched an interview of his, he brings that energy. Would he need some experience around him? I think so. Um, will McElwain get there? Will, would he provide that? I think he's a good coach. Um, I think it's a little a little interesting that in Missouri, a school that had as much you know, negative things happened to it because of outlandish and, you know, misrepresented reports of what was going on with its campus in 2015, you know, really suffered in recruiting and, and the program took a hit because there was all this misinformation and over-dramatized stuff going on about what was happening at campus. Like the, the protest was real. The the friction of the, you know, the, the issues were, were absolutely real, but there was all kinds of crazy stuff that wasn't real that really hurt the brand and hurt recruiting efforts. Why a, co- why a school that has suffered through that firsthand would, would in, be interested in talking to a coach who got fired in large part from Florida because he made up fake death threats and said he received them when his team was struggling and then just kind of acted like it was no big deal that he said it, couldn't provide proof of them, couldn't provide you know, any any sort of name that they came from or when he received them or timeline. He just kind of made it up, it seemed like, and then expected it to just go away. Why would a why would a school that suffered through something like Missouri has consider a guy who is willing to do that at a time of pressure, which completely made things worse for the program and the university? And I guess just to try to get you know some some take like a smug stance after the team started playing better, that was bogus. And and I don't think stuff like that just goes away. That was a character thing. Why did he do that? It was never explained. I think that's a, an interesting um, an interesting name for Missouri to look at for some of those. For some of those reasons, um, I did want to hit on the service academy guys because we're seeing names, we're seeing mentions of Sturk's potential interest in guys like Troy Calhoun at at Air Force, of guys like Jeff Monken at Army, and and I don't have any problem with the service academy coach. My problem is with the triple option. Uh, I've talked to coaches and recruiters, and they say that they hope, like other schools, hope that Missouri would try to bring a triple option coach to the SEC because they don't care if the guy's going to run a new system. They don't care if, if, you know, it's completely scrapped and, and, and everything new is installed because they are going to recruit against that. And people say, well, why do they recruit against that? Here's how you recruit against a triple option coach or a guy who's ran that primarily for his career. If he says he's going to try to start a new system, you tell players as a rival recruiter, well, they yeah, ask see how long that lasts. He'll, he'll switch it back if things don't go right. And here's why players don't want to play in it. And it's especially key for Missouri. Receivers don't catch passes. Missouri's had some luck at producing receivers. Quarterbacks don't get to throw. Missouri's had some luck at producing quarterbacks. Defensive linemen don't like to play there because they get cut block at they get cut blocked at practice every single day. They hate that, so they don't want to practice against that every day. And even offensive linemen, which Missouri has produced a good amount of, they don't want to cut block all the time because they don't feel like that's what they're going to be doing in the league. So I, I think that would be. Maybe that's something a school like if, if you want to be like a Vanderbilt and try to be different, maybe try a triple option. I don't think Missouri needs to do that. And I think it would be a really, really tough sell to the fans. 
and to recruits, most importantly, to try to bring in a coach who's primarily coached triple option in his career. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, two things. Calhoun's offense is a lot different than, than Munkin's. Munkin's is straight Georgia Tech, old Georgia Tech, uh, Army, Navy, flex bone, three running backs in the backfield with the, with the quarterback, and all option all day long, hardly any passes. So that's, that's what Jeff Munkin runs at Army, and that's what he's been associated with pretty much his entire career. You know, Calhoun spent a couple years in the NFL, Houston Texans, and with the Denver Broncos. When he got the job at Air Force, I think in 2007, he came out and said, we are not running Fisher DeBerry's um, classic Air Force triple option because I'm bringing some other elements. Now, they still run the ball a lot. They, they are in the top five in rushing every year right there with Army and Navy. They don't throw it a lot. But it is a different kind of system. He has spread elements. Um, you know, he's got some pro-style stuff. And uh, it, the interesting reason why, and I think it's smart, that if you're Army or Navy and you're more so Army now and you're an independent, you're playing different teams every year and you can kind of ambush them like Army did with Oklahoma or Army did with Michigan because they're not, not they're not prepared. They're not used to seeing that. Well, Air Force is in a conference. They're playing the same eight teams every year. So if, if you play just one brand, they're going to be ready for it. And to his credit, you know, he's had a couple 10-win seasons um, and has, has figured out ways to adapt. Now, it's still – that's still what he is. His And will that style work outside of Air Force? I'm not sold on that concept it's more of a risk and here's the other thing recruits want to be told i can go to your school and you're going to help me get to the nfl you just can't tell them that if you're running this offense because it's it's not going to work you're not getting quarterbacks who will play in the nfl as as passers you touched on it with wide receivers and you don't need five-star offensive linemen to run these systems and run them well at, at, at army navy and air force um does that mean they're not going to go and play for you at Missouri in that system if you don't need them? And it's probably the best. You don't have the big hulking linemen because you need those smaller, quicker, agile guys. So I, I think it would be a deterrent on that NFL pipeline that every kid, whether they're an option offense in high school or they're throwing it 40 times a game, they want to hear that NFL sales pitch. And you lose that when you hire one of these guys. They, they may try to sell it, but they, their history says they they can't because it's just not there. Yeah, I think the personality and demeanor of Troy Calhoun would be off-putting to a lot of Missouri fans as well. I've covered him when I used to cover Wyoming. I don't think he's a bad guy, but he does not like talking about certain things. He's very standoffish. Um, he's very dry, kind of a little loopy at times. Like some of his answers, if you've seen him describe <laughs> things, I mean, I don't know. It, it takes he he's kind of a unique guy, and I, I wonder about his his uh you know markability in this uh in the sec and and in this market he's always mentioned with a lot of jobs he's in every search it seems like and he hasn't gotten another job other than air force in a in a long time so i don't know that missouri would be wise to be the one that 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 takes that leap here um i wanted to ask about kevin sumlin i've i've got questions i sent out a uh there are a couple of tweets I sent out asking folks if they had questions for, for us. I would think someone would be a good hire. I think he would really do well in recruiting. He's at Arizona, um, but I, I, we have not heard any smoke around someone. We've also ha- not heard any smoke around Bill Clark, the the coach at UAB, that UAB who's done a really good job. What do you make of that? You just think uh, not the fit, not the interest, uh, maybe not a, not a shared interest? Or do you think those guys could come onto the scene here as this continues? You know, I thought someone would have been – 
a really interesting, great, exciting hire back in 2015 when Barry Odom got the job. But, man, he had all the resources in the world. He had all the momentum in the world at Texas A&M. And, you know, they just couldn't get better than 8-4, and 7-5. and five. I mean, he had Johnny Manziel win the Heisman. And even the next year, they still had all these weapons on offense. They had this system. They were the hottest program in the country. And he just couldn't capitalize on it. It seemed like he just hit a ceiling and couldn't get past it. Um, he's not going to have those same resources. He's not going to have that same recruiting back territory at a Missouri. So is, is he a, is he an upgrade over what Missouri's had the last few years? Maybe. You know, he hasn't he hasn't really set the world on fire at Arizona by any means. But um, I'm just I, I think it'd be interesting. But I'm not sure it's the home run that everyone would have thought it was five, six years ago when he seemed like he was on the cusp of, of greatness at Texas A&M. You know, Bill Clark, he, he's a guy that the national writers and the national folks love because of what he did at UAB, building a program from scratch. Saving it. And and, and putting it into making a winner there. Right. I think the one thing that would give me a little pause on Clark is, and you can say the same for Healy, but Clark, especially because he's a little older, uh, he's never spent a day in a Power Five program as a as an assistant or a head coach. Not to say that that is a, a deal breaker, but any job he gets at a Power Five will be his first time there. And I, I think you you worry a little bit about hey, is that stage too big for a guy like that who can get awards for winning seven eight games at UAB? But as we discovered with Barry Odom, being five hundred or even a little better in some years is is not good enough. At the, at a program with a little higher standard. I also think he's pretty happy at UAB. <laughs> I don't know if uh, yeah. I don't know if he's if he's eager to jump. And I think you're going to see some of these guys be more willing to stick around with because this climate is. Guys like Barry Odom are getting fired, and you know you got to be dang sure you're going to be better than that if you're making a jump and kind of restarting the goodwill process all over again at a new school. And we're going to touch on that here at the end. There's another name I want to talk about, and then I kind of want to go big picture here to wrap things up, Dave. Willie Fritz. I know he doesn't have people jumping out of their seat hooting and hollering, but he's got a ton of ties. He has worked in Missouri. He's recruited this area. He's been a guy who, I mean, if you, uh, if you, if you, if we, as we all did, saw Dennis Dodd quoting a source saying that Missouri would be his dream job. Um, he's certainly probably a realistic candidate. I don't know that he would, uh, he would, he would have fans uh, parading down the streets. But what do you know about Willie, and 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 what should people know about him as Missouri tries to kind of go through its tiers of of options here? Another guy that people around the country love and i think it's because of his personality the fact that he's won everywhere he's been and a lot some of that's junior college some of that's division two um you know at the fcs level i believe and now he's done a, a pretty impressive job of taking a program like tulane that's been broken for a while and turn them into a winner you know I, if you're i could see him you know being a, a success or at least a little more exciting in a place like old miss or arkansas but at Missouri, part of his bio is his time at Central Missouri as the head coach there overlapped for I think seven, eight years with Kim Anderson's time there. And that's 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 almost like guilty by association. It has nothing against Willie Fritz and the job he's done. But, man, <laughs> we saw how that worked out when Missouri took a took a gamble on a guy who who had success at that level and was just needing a chance on the big stage to see what happens. Um, I'd be a little, I'd be a little scared of that background because we're all going to write that. Yeah, um, have I, to. I would for sure if he gets the job. Um, you know, 
again, that's not a that's not a hire that's going to sell any season tickets. I'm not sure any of these will. Um, is it one that you keep in your back pocket if you get turned down by other places? Sure, you know we'll see. He's a guy that is not going to blow anybody away at the press conference. But frankly, Missouri, that's not that shouldn't be the only objective here. Wouldn't hurt to have somebody with a little flash that could get fans excited. Um, but you know that's not the end game. So again, that's that's a guy I think you keep on your list because you know he'd take it probably and uh, see if you can maybe you know go a little higher for somebody else that, that I think is a more of a, I don't want to say proven, but a guy you have a better feel about will, will thrive on this stage. Yeah, I also wondered if Missouri has met its quote on Anderson's when they when we were talking about <laughs> Brian Anderson. But, uh, you know, you mentioned something about you don't know if any of these names will sell season tickets. And I, I wanted to close with that because there are going to be more names that come up. And, and I want to be measured here and kind of be clear. Jim Sterk, when he does a search, we know enough about him. He's going to talk to a bunch of people. And not every person he talks to has offered the job. Just because he's talking to multiple people doesn't mean everyone else is turning him down. Um, any names that are leaking out there, they may be real as, as someone he's interested in. They may not be. And and just because he's shown interest in somebody doesn't mean he wants to hire them. So I, I feel like that's right. a very important to say. This search started Saturday. And if you look at the other searches that have been, that have been going on, Arkansas hasn't hired a coach. Florida State hasn't hired a coach. A lot of these coaches are coaching this weekend in conference championship games. So anybody who's going, oh, my God, this is taking so long, or they keep cycling through their options, or why don't they have somebody, it's unrealistic. Okay, look around, take a deep breath, and and understand that you know you really can't judge this search until there's an end of it. And, and I'll keep repeating that. But you mentioned, hey, I don't know if any of these names we're talking about will, will get people fired up. We sat in that press conference room last Saturday, and Jim Sterk mentioned time and time again, energy, energy, energy. He wants people to be excited about Missouri football. He felt like it was very hard to fire Barry Odom. And the impression of that press conference, and I think we shared it, was that Jim Sterk was not making the decision to fire Barry Odom because he simply couldn't stand Barry Odom anymore. He said he was making a decision to fire Barry Odom because he needed to go out and hire someone who took this program to that top 25 rung consistently. And if he doesn't make a hire that that provides that energy, if he doesn't make a hire that everybody can sit back and say, hey, I can see how this can work. Now, ultimately, ultimately it will be judged by how that hire does. But if he makes a hire and then goes and replaces, you know, fills Barry Odom's position with a guy who has more or less Barry Odom's credentials and success without Barry Odom's good nature built up with a fan base as being a former player without, you know, the, the already the kind of recruiting inroads that Barry Odom had made and the success that he had been building in St. Louis, then I think then Jim Sterk's going to take some licks here. I think he has to think about the guy he let go and, and it, his quotes about raising this bar and then realize that he, he's got to come home with somebody who, who moves the needle a little bit here. I agree, and, and if that is the case, if he hires somebody who the, most fans and even some of us in the media will kind of shrug at and say, gosh, why'd you fire Barry Odom for this? I think that will lead to conclusions that this was just a, a broken relationship that, that they couldn't move forward, or at least Jim Sturt couldn't move forward with. Um, because, again, was it all on the field? Well, that was the main part of it. They lost those five in a row. If they just beat Vanderbilt and go seven and five, we're not having this conversation. So, um, I think the deal breaker was the part, the fact that the relationship wasn't good enough. Um, I, I do think that was a factor here. And again, I, I, I think you're right too. The energy um, that he he brought up numerous times uh, is a factor here. Let's face it, 
unless there's some secret candidate out there that'll that'll come in and shock everybody, nobody on this list is going to sell is going to make up that five to six million dollar gap in season ticket revenue that he mentioned that's been lost since 2014. The hope is you get somebody in that is competent enough that wins enough in year one that you sell those tickets for 2021 and 2022. But we're talking three years away now, two or three years away. And if Arkansas just proved anything, if Florida State proved anything, these coaches are on shorter leashes now than ever. And I think that's why you are seeing, like you mentioned, a kind of a watered-down pool for not just this job but some other jobs too. Uh, people aren't ready to, to jump into these positions knowing how short – the the uh the shortage of patience that that ad's and not just ad's but fans and donors have these days for guys that don't win right away stark's legacy is uh is on the line here i think it's safe to say that this will likely be the biggest hire he makes at missouri and you know with the way things with the ncaa fight turned out um with the way that the basketball team is playing at this current moment then there are some people who are starting to say, hey, what, what's going on with Stirk here? So this is what happens when an SEC athletic director hires a football coach. It's the biggest thing an SEC athletic director does, period, bar none, end of story. We're not going to judge it until it's done, until we see who this candidate is, because there's a lot of misinformation out there, and Stirk is keeping things pretty close to the vest. I did try to confirm that you know we know for sure, as recording this, Missouri does not have an agreement in place with a football coach. Um, we also know for sure, I tried to confirm last night that – that uh, we could scratch Healy um, off the list and was did not get confirmation on that. So I, I think there's still to some degree he's at least uh, in the realm of in the realm of possibilities until we hear differently. And and this I could not confirm the same about Harson either at, at Boise State. So again, there's a long list here. There are tears to it. Just because Jim Sterk is interviewing certain guys doesn't mean they're being offered the job. We'll see where it lands. We'll close with one question here, Dave, from Twitter, um, from MJ. He wants to know, this is a good question. Um, he's mentioning that Lane Kiffin's AD is, is is Michael White and Napier's AD is Brian Maggard. Both, these are both guys who have Mizzou connections. Um, White at, at FAU is basically Stirk's godson. These guys left Missouri to take these roles. He's curious if there is maybe if that makes it more likely or less likely that Stirk would be interested in po- poaching one of these guys' coaches, either Lane Kiffin at FAU or Billy Napier, who we haven't talked a lot about, but it is going to be a strong candidate for a lot of openings down at, at at Louisiana Lafayette. Now, I think he's probably more inclined to stay in the South. Um, I think he's that's kind of his comfort zone, and he doesn't seem real interested in in leaving it for for a place like Missouri. But he's curious what Stirk's relationship like is with those ads, and if it would help or hurt his interest in those coaches. Yeah, we got to get our white straight here. Brian White is the sorry, AD yeah, at Apologies. FAU. Mike White is, is his brother, who's right. the head coach at basketball coach at Florida, and their dad, Danny Danny White, yeah. is the AD at uh, UCF, where his coach is Josh Heupel. And then dad is Kevin White, who's the AD at Duke. So there we go. We've got to know our whites. Thank Kevin you. White and Jim Stirk are really close. Um, they kind of grew up in the industry together. And like you said, Jim is sort of like a godparent, uncle, whatever you want to call him, to the white kids. You know, and I think that's why some people thought about Kiffin right off the bat. Like, oh, there's a relationship there between the ADs. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure Jim would want to poach uh, one of his guys. But if anything, it would – you know, maybe familiarize uh, Kiffin with Stirk a little bit more. He can go to his AD and say, hey, what's this guy like? 
you know, we mentioned the, the Sexton possible friction there. Does that complicate things a little bit? You know, with Maggard at, um, at Louisiana Lafayette, you know, he, he left Missouri to, to finally get a, a head, uh, AD job. He'd been at Missouri forever, came under Mike Alden, worked under Mac Rhodes. Um, I'm not sure he and Jim Stark are, are super tight. I don't know if it would impact any kind of deal there. And like you said, everything that I've heard on Napier is that, you know, he wants to say, you know, more at a, at a Southern school, um, whether that ends up being Old Miss. You know, I think there's a chance he could make the jump to Memphis maybe if, if Mike Norvell leaves there. Um, but just there hasn't been much buzz at all about Napier in Missouri, even though I think he would be – his track record suggests he'd, I think he'd be a, a pretty good candidate. I mean, not just only what he's done at Lafayette, but, um, you know, he's a, a Nick Saban guy and a Dabo Sweeney guy. He's, he's worked under both of those. And I, you can't spend – multiple years with both of those coaches and not learn something. So I think he's a guy that, you know, it's definitely on the rise and we'll eventually here get a good job. I think we hit on most of the names. Did I miss anybody? Do we, I think we hit on everybody that's worth talking about, at least that we know Jay, of right Jay now. Jay Norvell is worth bringing up. You know, I, I think Gabe Yarman brought him up um, on Thursday and I, I checked with some folks and he is on the list for sure for Missouri. He's the head coach at Nevada. Again, not a guy that's at the top of their list little bit intriguing you know he's been at Nevada for three years now two straight winning seasons um, has been a longtime assistant coach he's one of those guys that everybody wondered when he would get a chance to run his own program he was Bob Stoops uh, Bob Stoops offensive coordinator receivers coach for a long time he's been at Texas he's been at UCLA he's been in Nebraska uh, he's recruited really well a lot of all the receivers that went to those schools he had a hand in um, he's recruited St. Louis before. He, he's the guy that got Deron Neal, dismet wide receiver, yep. to pick uh, the Sooners over over Missouri a few years back. He was the guy that got DGB to uh, uh, when when he was kind of a free agent looking for a school. He went to Oklahoma, even though he didn't didn't pan out there. Uh, so he's he's an interesting name. He's he's also he's an African American. We haven't talked about any minority coaches in this uh, in this job search. So I, I think if that's something that anybody out there cares about. Um, I, I don't want to say that checks the box because that that puts that, that that's not the way we should phrase that. But that is something that that is important to some people, and I don't think it's just a, a, a token interview or a token mention of of him because of that. He's a guy that's pretty well respected in the industry, and I don't I don't think he would be a terrible fit at Missouri. He knows the program because he's coached at Nebraska and Oklahoma and for a long time, and has coached games at Missouri. So I think he's at least worth putting out there as a as a possibility at this point. Absolutely. And then the other one thing that we haven't talked about, too, but we should mention, because we've seen it more often, and this is going long, but I, I do think this is hopefully stuff people are interested in. You know, you see a name like, like Ron Rivera being fired with the Panthers. I think he'll get another NFL job. But have you talked to anybody with NFL ties? Because we always look at who's coming up in the college ranks, but we've seen this from time to time where a coach will leave the NFL and, and come back to the college ranks or, or come to the college ranks for the first time. Any anything of interest on that front that that you've observed? Not really, but I think any good AD with an open mind should can should probably has a list of some NFL people that they should check in on. Um, you know, I don't know if Ron Rivera is any kind of fit for this job, but sometimes NFL coaches they they are attracted to going back to college. Maybe they've never even coached there. And it, it sounds like something they'd like to do. I think most college coaches that go to the NFL do it so they don't have to recruit anymore. Um, but you never know. You know, Matt Eberflus is a name that 
some people, I, I don't think anybody with any ties to that, the search have mentioned, but he was a longtime Missouri defensive coordinator under, under Gary Pinkle. He's been in the NFL since leaving uh, Gary's staff, and he's an Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator. Now, he's a guy mentioned as he, he's going to get an NFL head coaching job here soon enough. Uh, so, and I don't know if he wants to get back to the college game. I know Matt, you know, fairly well. Haven't talked to him about this situation, um, but he's a name that comes up a little bit more than anything, just because of his Missouri ties. He was a good recruiter, a, a good young coach, and I think he's really, you know, kind of developed his credentials at the pro level. But um, other than that, you know, I'm not real sure. Steve Sarkeesian, his name bounced around a little bit, and I checked uh, on that, and he has not heard from Missouri. I know that. So. Um, the guy that's been at Alabama as their coordinator trying to kind of resuscitate his career after things went south at, at USC a few years ago and also then spent some time in the NFL. Very good, Dave. You're doing a great job. Keep it up, and uh, we'll continue to have this covered at stltd.com, also in the, the pages of the Post-Dispatch. Um, give Jim Sterk some time here to, to figure this thing out. But, hey, if you fired Barry Odom and you've got uh, Jimmy Sexton issues and you land with a coach that your fan base looks at and goes, what? then uh, there's going to be some questions, and it's going to be kind of awkward because they'll be asked probably to Jim Sterk in front of the guy he just hired. So that that's, that's a situation fun. that would be uh, worth Mizzou trying to avoid. We'll see how it lands. We'll have it covered throughout the process here at the Post-Dispatch. Dave, keep up the great work. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon and hopefully have a resolution to this before too long. A reminder for folks who are grabbing this podcast for the first time, we do these every week. We try to, um, more or less, depending on news. Um, you can find them at stltoday.com slash podcast. Even easier, go to whatever you use to download your podcast. Search for Eye on the Tigers podcast. It should pop up. You can subscribe there. Do us a favor. Leave us a review. Uh, drop a comment in there, something you'd like to see more of. If we missed a topic or, or want to see something in the future, let us know. Let us know how we're doing. And, and thank you for those who do subscribe, who do download regularly and keep listening because it helps us uh, make the case to keep doing this. So keep it up and we will do the same for Dave. I'm Ben. We will talk to you next week.